Truthy, and you are listening to Iron Wifey. Sharpening Sessions. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Sharpening Sessions with Iron Wifey. This week, I have Shruthi from The Honest Truth (laughs) on with us. Shruthi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I see your dogs want to kind of join in on us with this interview. Yes. um, Can't really. I try to train them. Maybe not the best trainer. Who knows? No, you are fine. So you are a blogger. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a full-time blogger based in Austin, Texas. Um, I was born in South India, moved to the U.S. as a kid, um, just bred and born bred, or not born, but like brought up in Texas. And then um Got married to this super tall, awesome, God-loving, six-foot-six Texan dude. I'm pretty sure I said those things already. but um, <laughs> And then we moved to London for a year. He's an architect. That's where I started my blog because my job fell through while we were over there. And I was like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I've got all this time here in London. What's going on? And... I don't know. My passion's always been writing, photography, film, communicating with people. So yeah, started my blog in London and now I'm back in Austin. And um, that's a little about me. Awesome. So we'll dive into your international travels in a minute. Mm-hmm. But what led you to start your blog? I know you're bored in London, but truly what led you to actually get started? So about six years ago, I started a blog called Salt and Pepper. I don't even know if it's around. Um, It was a food blog. It has one entry, I'm pretty sure. And (laughs) it's something I always wanted to grow in. I always wanted to be better at communicating, like, just my thoughts, whether that was the restaurants I was eating at or the places I was going to or the people I was meeting So while I was in London, I was just thrust into this world of culture and fashion, food, um, and also a place where faith is very, very looked down upon. So it was kind of the perfect time to write. It was the perfect time to express myself. And um, yeah, I mean, it it was just kind of like, I didn't really overthink it. I was like, man, what am I good at? (laughs) what what's like the talent that God's put within me and it was well it's what comes naturally and what comes naturally was writing and so that's kind of where the blog started that is amazing and you named your blog after yourself the honest truth why did you choose that name um okay I'm notorious for bad puns like I'm talking Puns are my life. Like people, whenever the people are getting married, they'll be like, hey, can you come up with my wedding hashtag? <laughs> um, if only I can make a profit out of that. But um, no, so I, I came up with that. Just I like puns, but also because um, that's something that is a skill that I have. I, I generally don't struggle with being honest. I'm not a people pleaser, which can be a weakness at points. but I just see things, I think, a little bit more clearly. I I don't have, most of the time, I don't have an agenda behind 
my thoughts. And so when I'm writing, it comes across with um, just that tone of honesty and authenticity. Well, I can definitely agree to that. So your blog, The Honest Truth, what can readers find when they visit your blog? So The Honest Truth is a lifestyle blog and readers can come over to my blog, sort of understand the mess that's in my mind. (laughs) Um, It's categorized by day. The content is categorized by day. So if they visit my blog on a Monday, they're going to find content about love, relationships, marriage. On Tuesdays, I write about travel. On Wednesdays, I write about food, restaurant reviews, and recipes. Thursdays are thoughts. So those are more current events or opinion pieces. Fridays are for fashion. And then Sundays are devotionals. Um, Well, not so much like a devotional, like here is how you apply it to your life, but more so what the Lord's been doing in my life and see if anybody else can resonate with that, connect with that. That's awesome. I love how you're, you truly are organized when it comes to your blog. Yes. um, I find that when we want to be, we really can be organized. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. So what motivates you to write? So I have always written in journals. I have journals dating back to when I came to know the Lord. Honestly, I think that written word is the way to make sense of the noise that is in my head with just all these different stimuli, you know, people and the news, information, BuzzFeed, whatever. There's so much that goes on in our heads and writing it out um, makes me feel like I can remove the chaos from it. And so that is why I write. I find it's natural. It's easy. It's soothing. And time flies when I'm writing. Wow. See, that's amazing. And you mentioned how, you know, writing was something that pretty much came with ease when you like were first introduced to the Lord. And as you grew within, you know, your spirituality and your Christian walk, at what point, you know, growing up traditionally Hindu, Mm-hmm. were you first introduced to Christ? So probably the first time was my um, like pre-K because it was in a church. And um, and then another time I remember specifically is when, when I, I was playing softball as a kid and uh, the metal fence fell on top of our catcher once. I think it was uh, the weekend. No, no, it wasn't that. Yeah, it just fell on top of our catcher and all the girls on my team sat around and they prayed. And um, I remember my parents were they're like, no, you can't sit there. Like you have to come with us. And I always remember like, why did they why did they do that? Like, and what were the girls doing? And it's sort of I've actually written instance after instance where things like this have happened where, you know, it's just a glimmer, a little taste of Jesus or of community. And um essentially and eventually it was that what brought me to him community my closest friends I didn't realize this but I'd gravitated naturally toward people who were all very strong believers strong Christians and I think at that point it was because I was moral like they were like I just wasn't drawn to like very popular uh sins in high school culture Mm -hmm. um but I didn't really have any reason for why besides I just 
thought they were wrong. And um, it wasn't until my closest friends in high school, an ex-boyfriend and a best friend um, said to me, so why, like, what do you believe in? Why are you the way you are? Why do you make these decisions? Um, do you think there's a God? And, you know, they just like pummeled me with these questions. Uh, and I, I like that. I like being challenged and I had no answer. But I also, because I was brought up Hindu, I'd been going to Hindu Sunday school my entire life. And within that same couple of months, I was actually asked to leave my Hindu Sunday school because uh, um, my Sunday school teacher was talking about karma and how that's a tenet of Hinduism. And she said, you know, good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. That is a truth of life. That is a truth of the universe, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I was probably like more outspoken then because I didn't understand like how to be polite. Maybe I don't know. I I was just kind of I challenged my teacher back and I said, "Well, if that's what you say, then do you think everybody who went through the Holocaust deserved what they got? Like, do you think it's just because they were bad in another life?" And she said, "Yes." You know, mm-hmm. she said. Um, she said, if we believe that karma is true and bad happens to bad and um, all of that horrible pain that they've gone through probably came from some sin in their past. And I probably dropped a few words I shouldn't have and was like, that's crazy. You crazy lady. And um, then they were like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't come back. I was like, I'm not coming back. (laughs) Um, But um, we're all on good terms now. But, um, and that's when I took up my friend's offer to go to church, because honestly, I did not want to go to church. I've been to a mosque before I went to the church. I went to a Buddhist temple before I went to the church, simply because the Christians that were most vocal were also really, really awful to me growing up. Like just, I would call it like cultural Christians. Like the, mm-hmm. they, they only were friends with people who looked like them and they were only friends with people who talked like them and wore dresses like them and wore jewelry like them. And I was like, man, you tell me that this Jesus is about grace and he's about love and mercy, but you exclude me simply because of you know, color of my skin or simply because of the accent my parents have or whatnot. Um, so that's honestly, I didn't want to be around Christians. I would say hundred percent. It was the Lord that was like, Hey, like maybe you should go to church, like go check that out. Um, and eventually I did, I started reading in Romans and that is the book that opened my eyes. Um, so also, um, more than a carpenter, which is similar to case for Christ. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get past the chapter where it talked about, uh, Jesus Christ, Lord, liar, or lunatic. And I'm a very rational, logical person. I, I, math has always been my subject. I tested out of it for college. Like math is my thing. Logic is my thing, but faith is not logical. Right. And so when, um, CS Lewis, the, when they quote CS Lewis and say, Jesus Christ, Lord, liar, or lunatic, I was like, yeah, I'm on board. He wasn't a liar. I'm on board. He wasn't a lunatic, but whoa, you expect me to like jump to faith. And that is the journey God brought me through while I was reading the Bible and reading in Romans specifically. And that's when he like opened my eyes and drew me near to him. Wow. That is amazing. 
He is so good. He is, I honestly, I'm like, how did you, like this tiny girl from Chennai, India, like comes over as an immigrant and like is brought up in this tiny city of Coppell, Texas. And you were like, you, I want you. Every day I'm like, what? He handpicked you. How does your family deal with this? So I didn't even get to tell them my news. Um, because I told some of my family friends and they've apologized for this now because they saw the destruction that it brought, but they, they kind of went running to my parents and said, your daughter claims that she's a Christian. And I just remember having like 40 missed calls after a Bible study one day and all these voicemails. And it was like, what have you done? Who are you? Like, are you even our daughter? Do you know what this will do to us in the community? And um, needless to say, those first few years were terrible, Mm. really terrible. And I would say that that first week, especially, I really felt like I was free falling. And there was, I was like, Lord, are you going to catch me? Like, I I just came to college, so I don't really have many friends. Mm. I just broken up with that guy from high school. So there's that. And all my other friends were long distance from high school. And so it was like he'd taken everything, you know, and they were so angry at me. My family was my, even my younger brother, he was like, what have you done? Like you've caused us so much pain. And I'm like, how is it that this culture that supposedly promotes inclusivity and uh, like love for everyone, all of this, but as soon as their daughter decides to pick up a Bible and go to church on Sundays and claims to have a personal relationship with Jesus, suddenly I'm quote, the black sheep, you know, mm-hmm. it was really bad. I saw my parents in a different way through all of that. Um, but I think it was also really, really necessary um, because it formed me into who I am today. That's why I, I don't have fear of what people think. And I, I won't step back on my convictions. Like I've gone to a point where nobody was there for me. And now everybody who is there for me, I take them. I, they're so special to me now, you know? Yeah my parents have come around um not in a way where they're accepting they're still not accepting um but I think they've realized it's not a phase which is what they kept saying it was they kept saying you're just going through a phase oh this is because you were brought up in America or oh this is because you have so many quote in their words white friends and um I think they're learning like like I don't label them and like they can't label me like that Wow. Your life is truly the case for Christ. Like in reality. It's, I was never an atheist, but yes. Okay. Well, I always believed in somebody there. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's truly amazing. And it's so amazing to hear your testimony and to hear where the Lord brought you because there may be somebody listening who may be going through the exact same thing. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, That's honestly a huge facet of my blog. I want to reach people all around the world who may feel like myself, where they weren't able to step out and pursue God or to explore God or understand God because they feel pressure from their families. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had since I've started my blog with other young women, specifically Asian women who have been like, how did you do this? Like, what did your parents do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's been cool to 
yeah, I can't sugarcoat and be like, oh, you know, everything's fine. It's not. The guy who is Asian as well, and he's the one who answered my questions, and he's older than me. And I asked him, like, how did you do this? Like, how did you accept Jesus? And he said, truthy, like, the Lord created your family. Your family doesn't create your God. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that is just stuck in my head forever. And that's hopefully what I'm able to get across with my blog too. Like, please just think for yourself, you know? Wow. The Lord created your family. Your family doesn't create your God. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Tell your friend I said thanks. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> On your blog, you have these devotionals and I'm not going to lie. I kind of like binge read all of your devotionals (laughs) instead of taking it like day by day. Um, But one thing I really love is in your thoughts under the thoughts panel, there's a aspect that's called love and you break down love in so many different terms through so many different blog posts. And so I want to know what love looks like in your life. Sure. So I always thought I was too weird to be loved by like anybody, I think. And when I mean weird, I'm just like, I think we all can relate to that, right? Like we all feel like, oh, I'm like such a weird person. (laughs) Um, So A, first loved Jesus when, when I was like reading and I was like, wow, he like died for me. What? And so that shifted my perspective on, wow, this is the first time I'm really understanding what true love is, like that is Jesus. But through having a relationship with Jesus, I've also realized what love looks like in relationships between humans. And my husband, who is a true gift from the Lord, on when I was feeling like most heavy with my family, he comes into the picture. And for some reason, they are so receptive to him. They listen to what he has to say. They ask him his questions about his beliefs. They honor his beliefs. Hmm. Uh, whereas like they haven't, they hadn't done that with me, but with him, it was so easy for them. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to carry all this burden by myself. Like yep. maybe, maybe I should accept help. Maybe it's not even up to me. Um, and so he entered my life and he has truly shown me love and he always says it's like everything that's for me that's good is from the lord and i'm like yes i get that honey but like you have shown me love in ways that i had never seen before like apologizing i've I've never really seen people be gracious in their apologies and humility when when he achieves things he he isn't putting it all over social media he's he just achieves them he praises the lord and he moves on um and things like that. He's those verses where it's like, love is patient. Love is kind. Da da da. Like we read over them so fast, but when you really take the time to understand what does it mean that love is patient? What does it mean that love perseveres? It's so much deeper than Mm -hmm. just a verse you read at a wedding. It is. So, um, I find that that is one of the topics I just, I am thrilled that I get to write about. And I find that people internationally really can connect with that because people are always seeking love. And I feel like I know love because of Jesus. And if I can express that to people and use that as a vehicle to get them to open the word, that's the end goal. Um, And that's when I know that I'm doing my job right. 
Awesome. How did you and your husband meet? Oh, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> we met through his ex-girlfriend, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me tell you, it's not as scandalous as that sounds. Okay. So she and I were in the same sorority and he was in our brother fraternity at um, college. And she and him, they were dating and I was interested in this other guy. So didn't, you know, you don't even look at people who were like taken, but then um, their relationship ended. I went on a mission trip to India and he was uh, connected with me. He would check up on me. He would send me messages like, uh, how are things going? Oh, like, that's so cool that you're eating mangoes or that's so cool that you're riding a scooter. And so we just created this online friendship simply because I was serving and he was like following along on the journey. Um, I didn't think anything of it, but when I got back, he asked me to dinner and I remember I still have those journals from six years ago, like writing, like Hank Parker just asked me on a date. Lord, <laughs> do you want me to go on a date with this guy? Like, <laughs> like he was totally not my type on paper. Like I have never dated anyone who wasn't like Indian or Asian or partially Indian or Asian. And so, um, I don't know, that's how we met. And I'm so thankful that I did not let my ideas of what a man should be limit the men I actually dated because, or the man I dated because now he's my husband. <laughs> yes. And how long have you guys been married? So we've been married almost two years now. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. So. One, how did you know you were ready for marriage? Mm -hmm. And two, how did you feel when you reached that point where it was time to get married? <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly, on our first date, when we sat down, he said his intentions. He was like, I want to date you to see if we, uh, if this can turn into marriage. And I was like, great, because I am not about to date guys who are not serious. Like I was over that at that point. And so we were on the same page from date one. Let me tell you, I have friends who have been dating for years and they're still like, I don't know if he's interested in marrying me. And I'm like, girlfriend, why has it taken you two years to realize that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we knew from the first date, we're ready to get married, but our lives were such that we had to date for three years before we got engaged. And then we were engaged for a year before we got married. So we were together for four years before we got married, which in the South seems people like, whoa, unreasonably long. Um, but we just, we, life was just crazy. And he, you know, he was studying abroad and everything. Um, we knew we were married, ready for marriage whenever his architecture school load wasn't going to crush him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and we just, you know, we, we prepared for that by joining a small group together once we got serious in dating, which was like six months in. And our families, they met within six months as well. Like we were just like, all right, this we're, we're heading to marriage unless something stops us. And um, yeah, nothing stopped us. And that's amazing that you guys knew that at such a young age. Yeah, I, I'd say like all the time, I'm like, you're such an old soul, like, but then sometimes I'm like, you're such an old man. But honestly, it's refreshing dating a man and not a boy. Mm -hmm. mm. 
Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I completely agree. And so you've been married for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. How do you balance marriage, being a wife, and life? Yeah. So I feel like marriage is the foundation, like where it's we're always married, but sometimes I struggle with being a wife in like um realizing that he needs to list like talk and he would just wants me to listen or that um I can trust him with my insecurities or um it, you know sometimes I feel like I have to just be like encouraging and supportive but he always is like no like you can also just tell me what you're feeling and I'm like oh yeah so that wife <laughs> thing like the whole being one thing yes you don't judge me oh yes I forgot um, so that's definitely a work in progress and then the life thing well life has been non-stop for us I feel since we've gotten married so right now is a really sweet time where we're kind of making memories in the mundane moments mm-hmm we're enjoying the grocery shopping. We're enjoying the walking the dogs. We're taking in all the little moments. So life's right now, life is slower. And I think that's helping our marriage because we're just not going hundred miles an hour. Amazing. Well, I want to get a little bit into your blog and how you Mm -hmm. actually got it to a point where you were able to do it full time but Mm -hmm. we'll do that right after this break okay are you enjoying the podcast you're listening to right now no worries it doesn't have to stop here with more podcast interviews blogs and our monthly magazine we want to invite you into our community of sisterhood we are daughters of a king which makes all of us sisters in Christ. As sisters, it's our responsibility to encourage and inspire one another because at the end of the day, as iron sharpens iron, one woman sharpens another. Check us out online, ironwifey.com. That's I-R-O-N-W-I-F-E-Y dot C-O-M. Okay, so welcome back. I know in the first part of our interview, we were able to discuss Uh, a little bit about Shruti Parker, this amazing blogger, woman of God, all around (laughs) amazing human being. Uh, We talked about love, we talked about marriage, we talked about being a wife, and we talked about your blog. And so I want to dive a little bit more into your blog because you said that you are a full-time blogger. Now that's the dream for every writer in America. How did you reach that point? Okay, so when I got out of school, I actually, I worked for a few years as a marketing professional, and then I got into blogging. So I got a couple of years under my belt, got some money under my belt, then started my blog, and um, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, it, it takes time. I mean... I wouldn't say that I'm making, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but like, it's not the same compensation wise as it was when I was working full-time professionally as marketing, but I know that it's an investment and that's where it'll surpass with time. Definitely. I loved how you said that it's an investment. I guess, basically, how do you invest in yourself? All right. So I'm a vegetarian. Um, I eat like weirdly healthy because I don't work out much at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love milkshakes. Don't get me wrong. I think I've had three in like the past two weeks, but I eat really healthy. That just helps my brain and my body feel good. Um, I try not to eat too many fatty things. I definitely treat myself with the milkshakes here and there, but food is a big part. I just, I don't even want to worry about appearance, right? So I do what I can in that. I just do my part in putting the right things into my body. And then obviously quiet times with the Lord, like, wow. You know, have you ever been to like um, a train station or a really busy terminal at an airport and it's just people walking every direction, so much noise, different languages. Like I feel like that if I am not spending time with the Lord. Wow. So that helps a lot. And then um, just sort of like fun little beauty things. Like I really love putting warm coconut oil in my hair or like um, going, practicing yoga, things like that. I I don't take appearance too seriously. um, And that's just because I am, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would say a lot of it is the confidence that my husband gives me, but also I'd say a lot of it is just that I don't care. (laughs) Um, I just take care of myself in the ways that I need to with spiritually, physically, emotionally. I've got a really good group of girlfriends, praise God. Um, We meet every week and we kind of just talk about the highs and lows. I don't know what I would do without them. So yeah, just kind of a healthy lifestyle, but not like obsessing about it. Awesome. And so it's kind of funny because being a full-time blogger, you just touched on the four main points that you pretty much focus on in your blog being thoughts, tastes, travel, and style. (laughs) (laughs) And you just did it so unintentionally. Um, So I want to dive a little bit more into your travel because, you know, you mentioned that you guys uh, lived in London for a year and within your blog, you go to so many different places like like Cambridge, um, like all these amazing places. Tell me about your travel life. Okay. Well, our travel life was so much easier to do while we lived in London, simply because it was easier to get around places. Uh, we, we took a bus from London to get to Cambridge or to Oxford. And then we took a 20 pound flight to get to Dublin, which you can't even fly to Dallas from Austin for 20 pounds. So, um, (laughs) And it was just easier to travel there, which is why we did it. Um, I'd say our favorite places for sure were Bali, Indonesia. I I felt like Indonesia, where I went, was very similar to India. And I loved the warmth of the people and the warmth of the weather. Um, we also loved Iceland. It, it truly is untouched. It's still very like protected and natural beauty is just astounding. So those two are kind of, polar opposites, but man, I just also feel like when I was talking about Romans earlier, like my favorite Bible verse is Romans 120, about how men are without excuse for God displays himself in um, the in creation. And I think that's why I enjoy travel so much because when we went to Bali and we saw the rice fields and the volcanoes and we went to Iceland and we saw the natural glaciers and waterfalls and all that. And it's it's just so beautiful. You can't even, man cannot imitate, man cannot create, you know, you're just like, man, we are tiny little humans and there is a God, A, because 
look around you, but also be because he says it in the word. So. <laughs> awesome and very true. And I love how your favorite verse is Romans one twenty, and how you basically see the Lord through his creation. Mm-hmm. So with Romans one twenty being your favorite verse, um, Iron Wifey is derived from Proverbs twenty seven seventeen that says, you know, as iron sharpens iron, one friend sharpens another. So our motto is as iron sharpens iron, one woman sharpens another. Mm. How do you feel or what do you think of when you hear that phrase? Oh, I love it. I mean, <laughs> where would we get if we were all super fluffy and polite to one another? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> iron sharpening iron is just an incredible image. You really think about why why does iron sharpen iron and what's the purpose of the iron? So I'm all about women helping each other in those ways and keeping each other accountable, teaching each other, listening to each other, ultimately speaking truth with compassion and having compassion, but still keeping to truth. I love that. Keeping to truth. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, (laughs) I see what you did there. okay I'm super awkward when it comes to like those punny things oh you know what you just gotta you just gotta go for it (laughs) just like you did so uh, um speaking of iron sharpening iron how do you Shruti sharpen other women in Christ okay so you know how like God is a loving God but he's also a powerful God Mm -hmm. so I tend to lean to the fact that he's a powerful God and I kind of forget sometimes that he's a loving God. I'm just like, man, like God can do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a lot of friends who are the opposite where they're always like, God is like our father. And like, you know, they're very like heart people and I'm, I might be more of a mind person. And so I feel like I'm able to sharpen my friends when they doubt God's power Mm. um, and they doubt his ability. They put him in boxes and they get offended by um, like, why is my compassionate father doing this? And um, I'm able to remind them, like, hey, like, let's take a look at Job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, let's just remember for a second that um, you shouldn't, you don't need to doubt him. Like, but, and I'm also thankful because I have these women in my life. And when I, I often struggle, I'm like, oh, I, I'll, I'll get workspace because I'm like, oh, he's powerful, he's powerful. And they're like, no, he loves you. Remember, like, his love doesn't depend on your works at all. And so it goes both ways. Absolutely. Awesome. And speaking of works, you know, faith without works is dead. So how do you exercise your faith? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. I try to bring up what the Lord's doing in my life into conversations, like not in a really super awkward way, though I'm sure they come across that way sometimes. But just kind of more, like just, you know, people like, how is your week? And I'll be like, oh, man, like, Oh, I've been praying about this or something. Cause you're always, you know, you're praying weekly. So there's something that you can express to people, like whether it's a prayer that's answered or you're still praying. And I find that prayer is one of the best ways that I'm able to talk to people. And I feel like just talking to people is an important thing that believers need to do because nobody talked to me until I was 18 years old and I lived in this country for 17 years. So it's like, hello. Like yeah. if one person had maybe had the guts to come up to me and say something about Jesus, but I know that God's timing is perfect. I know all that. Do you know what I mean? I feel like yeah. that's one of the ways like works. I think if we could just use the amount of words we say to like engage people and invite people, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's one way. I also, um, 
while I lived in London, it was cool. I got to teach English to refugee women. And uh, it was such an amazing experience because I got to learn a lot about all the countries they came from, but we also got to tell them about Jesus. And um, I'm currently about to commit to something like that in Austin as well. And um, I'm really excited for that just because I miss it. I miss that like ease of just serving people and getting to talk to them that way. And then in our small group, we like to have third place, which is like, we'll have a social event and then bring in people who may not necessarily know the Lord and just kind of show them like, Hey, Christians aren't these like weird antisocial people. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, just, I don't want to have an agenda because I feel like I can see when people have an agenda and I don't want people to ever to feel like I'm just having them around me to like make them Christians. But at the same time, like my biggest heartbreak would be if the people I loved most didn't know Jesus. So just asking him for opportunities to give me more ability to work and help bring people in, into knowing him. That's amazing. I love your heart for hospitality. I love it. I think I would have to attribute that to my parents. Like they are the most gracious hosts. Awesome. Well, it definitely comes out in your speech, in your testimony, in your actions. And I can't wait to see what the Lord does through you and this new thing that you're going to try to kick off in Austin. Um, but I'm super excited for what the Lord has for you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it is my pleasure. We're going to wrap it up in a little bit, but I have a couple more questions for you. One, Shruti, where do you see yourself in five years? In five years? Hmm. Love this question. <laughs> I feel like it changes all the time. In five years, I see myself with a self-sufficient blog that I don't need to really, like I'll write every now and then, but would have a team for me. And I see myself as a mother to multiple little babies and I have a huge heart for adoption. So I would love to have that process be successful as well. Um, you said multiple? And I also, yeah, I, right. I yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, right? It's all romanticized until it happens, right? Um, and I, I, I've got a couple of business ideas. I mean, man, I honestly, it's just like dialogue with the Lord. I'm like, God, what do you want? And I feel like I've told him over and over, if you don't want me to block, just take that away. Like, give me something else. Like, what do you want? But he hasn't taken that away yet. So in five years, I'm hoping I'd still be blocking and would have a large family and would be able to just serve in the ways that he uses me in Austin, Texas. Awesome. Do you guys think you'll stay in Austin and settle there? Um, I think we will, but it seems like our generation is the generation of just selling everything and going. Mm -hmm. So hands open. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. What is one goal that you're looking to achieve this year? So kind of like on a more silly tone, I'm trying to learn how to grow plants. <laughs> No, that is a huge goal. <laughs> yeah, I have already, um, all my succulents are dead, and then my giant gardenia plant is gone, oh but I have gosh. three plants that are alive, so I think I'm like 50-50 right now. It's only been two and a half months into the year, 
and I have already killed off half of my plants. But, but you have three, yeah. one for the father, one for the son, and one for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> all you need. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so growing plants, we're going to have a green thumb here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to turn these brown thumbs green. Hey. <laughs> Shruti, what is the best advice you've ever received? I think it would go back to what I was saying earlier about what that um, mentor figure said in my life about how people don't create God, but how God creates those people. Because that kind of just every social interaction, I can always take with a grain of salt because I'm like, okay, but like you're imperfect also. And like you don't get to dictate like my beliefs and things like that but then on like other like other little things that I've I try to live by are like respond don't react rise above the little things and then do you pray about it as much as you talk about it Hmm. that last one got me because I definitely (laughs) need to keep my mouth shut at that point (laughs) (laughs) what advice would you give your younger self oh man gosh my I would tell her, oh my gosh, she was such a mess. She was, I would just tell her like, you don't need anyone's approval. You don't need to fight for anyone's approval because that's only going to make you miserable. And the the day that you let go of that is the day you're going to become yourself. Wow. That's a good question. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, a, that's powerful. The day you let go of yourself is the day that you become yourself. I mean, I just needed to stop fitting in to like feel right in my skin. Yeah. Because fitting in, what even is that? That's a social construct of people who have the loudest voice. Like, no wonder I wasn't ever going to fit in. Just be yourself. You're perfectly made. I wish you were around when I was younger and told me that advice. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was around when I was younger. (laughs) And my last question for the evening, what advice do you have for someone who may be going through what you went through? I would say find find a community of people, but ultimately you have to rely on your relationship with the Lord the most because he is the only one that is going to make you feel less lonely. And he's the only one who's going to make you feel hopeful. He's the only one who's going to give you the ability to get up in the mornings when you feel like everything is falling apart and like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay because he doesn't forget you. He won't forget you. He hasn't forgotten you. You're in the shadows of his wings. You're in the palms of his hands. You just got to keep reminding yourself that you're not alone there's always a set of footprints right next to you. You just, you got to trust him, even though it feels like everybody you love is turning on you. Wow. Well, Shruti, thank you for sharing your heart with me this evening. I appreciate everything, your time, your testimony, your trials, your tribulations. I am in awe of the woman that God has created you to be. That is so sweet of you to say Thank you so much for having me and for taking the time to get to know me a little bit. Of course. It is definitely my pleasure. Now, before we leave, 
The Honest Truth. Where can people find you? So you can find me at thehonestshruth.com or on instagram.com slash thehonestshruth. Is there anything else that you want to share with us this evening, Shruti? Just everybody have a good rest of your week and uh, <laughs> keep your head up. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you have just tuned in to another sharpening session with Iron Wifey. This evening, we had Shruti Parker, blogger of thehonesttruth.com. Please check her out. She is absolutely amazing. And the Lord is truly speaking through her and through her blog. And for those of you who may be going through similar situations, she's definitely someone who will inspire and motivate you to continue to follow the Lord. Shruti, thank you. Thank you.